2: To ensure the inevitable egg on our faces four and a half months from now, when we look back on these season predictions, got a lot to talk about here. We got to give our win totals for every team, championship picks, MVP, major awards, a few other categories that we have come up with over the years as well, such as not executive of the year, biggest surprise player, most disappointing player, etc. Any just general thoughts on this season uh, as we go in and try to project what's actually going to happen?
3: It feels pretty wide open, which is extremely exciting, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Like A lot of the teams, this is something you and I have talked about, something I talked about with Matt Moore at one point, too. We're like, all of the championship contenders have warts, and some of them we just haven't seen together in this form, so... I think the disconnect that we've seen between the regular season and the playoffs is going to continue, but there's real uncertainty in both, which I'm super excited about.
2: Yeah. And you also have this theme where even last year during the regular season, I think by the time we got to the playoffs, this wasn't the case, but during the regular season, we had games that became pretty farcical due to the COVID issue uh, in December and January with a a bunch of non-NBA players and no continuity and major players playing uh, really all players playing fewer games than might have been expected uh so that's a big deal again we saw that there wasn't a full off season even though there was more of one than there had been the previous year so everyone's well rested including us Uh, hopefully you're finding the volume of content to your liking Uh, i actually got a full night of sleep last night Uh, my daughter slept through the night so we are ready to rock and just to back up what you were saying about it feeling wide open, and sometimes when it feels wide open, it ends up not being, right? Like 2015, sure. the Warriors won, came out of nowhere to win 67 games and ended up having a somewhat easy road to the finals, although many contend that if the Cleveland had been healthy, it would have been a lot harder. But the Warriors and Celtics are both uh, plus 575 to win the championship, I would guess. And then you got the Clippers and Nets, Nets, right behind them. Bucks right behind them and then there's a pretty big gap to the Sixers at plus 1300 this is per uh William Hill Caesar Sportsbook by the way as of this very moment so I haven't gone back and looked at the historical odds but I'm guessing that it's been a while since we've had the lowest odds to win the championship be that high you know basically close to a one in six chance that there hasn't been any kind of a consensus favorite or really even two or three consensus favorites and you've got really five teams between plus five seventy five and plus seven hundred to potentially win the championship, and we'll get into that a, a little bit more because I know you did your your tiers as well, and we, we can talk about that. But let's just begin here with regular season wins. Starting in the West, I made a few changes to my predictions based on injuries or just thinking about it more how guys looked at in the preseason. I will note those as we go through here. Of course, I. Did win totals for all these teams when we did our Season Outlooks pods, which are now all 30 of those are in the books. Ethan Skolnick, by the way, had a fantastic little anecdote about Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler when he first came to the Heat on yesterday's pod. Western Conference, number one seed, Golden State Warriors, 54 wins. That's what I predicted previously. I think they've looked totally fine. Haven't had any major injuries in the preseason. And Danny will jump in here if he has any major disagreements with me. I don't, you didn't do specific win totals, right? You just I did not. I, I just tiers.
3: I just did tiers, and as in everything else that we do, it's would I be surprised if these were in a different order? And I actually I'll just mention this at the asset. I had six teams in my top tier of the West.
2: Interesting. Is, is that just in terms of regular season wins? Yes. Or, oh yeah. Okay. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we'll I, we'll get to uh, how this might change in the playoffs as well. Yes. I have three teams with fifty-three wins. I'll put them in order of most confidence that they're going to get to that point. Clippers 53 wins. So I have them as the two seed Memphis Grizzlies 53 wins. That's significantly above their over under Uh, and the Phoenix suns still 53 wins. I lowered them from 54 with the Crowder thing. I'm feeling like I should lower them even more, but I still, they were so good last year. And yeah, I know part of that was overperforming by about four games uh, due to their clutch performance. But I still, a lot of their guys are pretty young. They're less able to withstand injuries with this Crowder situation. It doesn't feel like a trade for is imminent. He's going to be inactive going into the season. But still feeling pretty decent about Phoenix. I mean, they're just like not even being talked about at all. And I'm like, in the regular season, it's.
3: I mean, they were the they were the league's best regular season team last year. And while I expect them to be below that standard, not only because they're missing an important player in Jay Crowder, but also because, you know, that was a real high watermark. But there's a difference between being worse than you were and like hitting their under because of just the amount of chaos and everything else like that. So, yeah, I think I have them. So this group, the only two teams you haven't mentioned, and they are two that I'm higher on than most in terms of regular season win total. And that's my number four seed, the Denver Nuggets, and my number six seed, the Minnesota Timberwolves.
2: Yeah, so I have Dallas, actually, as my five seed with 52. I think that was one of our over-under disagreements, mostly based on their lack of depth in the backcourt. So I'm higher on Dallas than a lot of people I'm. I don't know if I'm lower on Denver than that many people. I think they're over-under when we did. It was 50 and a half, and I have 50 for them. But I do think that they, just even some of the struggles of Murray and the uh, health-wise in the preseason, it's just, I think it's going to take some time there. I'm worried about their bench. I think they could be very formidable in the playoffs, potentially. Or maybe not. We'll see. I think they're one of the more volatile teams this year. And they may take it a little bit easier with Jokic during the regular season as well. So I I just think that it's going to be a little more chill for them. Maybe the issue, though, is... You mentioned your number six team is is Minnesota. I have them at seven forty nine wins. And again, this is compacted enough. I mean, I've got one through seven in a five win range. To be clear, I think Minnesota could possibly be the number one seed. Right. right. I kind of And feel, that's why they're yeah. that's
3: why they're in my top tier.
2: Yeah, as as far as just the regular season. Um yes. So who are you, you're missing? Dallas then from your that top. Yeah, six.
3: I I just think especially with the like they can't run some of the same defensive stuff that they did before. I think it'll take them some time to figure out the ecosystem. And they're so star dominant that they that if you know if Luka misses ten to fifteen games, as a lot of I expect almost every key player to do, then it's going to be harder for Dallas. They thrived in those minutes actually last year. I think they were plus five point three uh, net rating, including the glass, when Luka was off the floor. Jalen Brunson was an important part of that. He's gone. They didn't really replace him with a player like him. So I'm concerned about that. But you know, Dallas is. the the best Dallas is as good as just about any of these teams
2: yeah and again to reiterate I think Luca being really good through the entire season will make up for the loss of Brunson and I think you know getting JaVale McGee and Christian Wood you can argue about those additions in the playoffs but I think those guys are going to provide really efficient offense for them particularly being set up by Luca in a way that they didn't have last year and I I would push back a little bit on their lack of defense versus I think they'll actually be better on defense this year yeah, then they have been like, they'll have more rim protection with McGee. Uh, I think wood can be more of a switch guy if they want to, or they could still always go with Kleba at center. Like they're, they're not prevented from doing that necessarily. It would just have to be Dinwiddie in Brunson's place. Um, then I have a drop off uh, to new Orleans 44 wins. I'm just too worried about their, their defense and I'm not sure I'm, I'm not buying that. This is a top five offense. Yet, which is really kind of where they would need to be to get into the high 40s, low 50s. Uh, and then the Lakers 43 wins. I do think AD, it, you know, he's missed some time with the back issue, but I think he's looked pretty good. I think LeBron's looked pretty good. They're going to keep pushing throughout the season because, of course, their draft pick is swapped with New Orleans. And then another drop off to the Blazers 37 wins. I actually lowered their prediction because their preseason defense has looked so bad. And we also got the news for them that Gary Payton, the second is going to miss the first couple months of the season. We talked about, or no, sorry, first couple weeks of the season, at least. Um, and by the way, for those looking for rookie extension analysis, John and I are going to talk about that pretty extensively tomorrow and we'll get Danny's thoughts later in the week on that. So don't worry, that's coming. Dan also is going to uh, write something about that today. And that'll be in your daily dunks audio version. Also, Sacramento 35 wins. I yeah. think I was much higher on them than you.
3: Well, you were except that now I have the Blazers and the Kings in the same tier. i yeah, yeah. mostly because the Blazers have fallen, but the Kings, you know, they've been their offense has been interesting and Mike Brown has is trying to instill a defensive ethos. We'll see if it actually fits in, but that in some ways, that's it's a combination of things. One, I think the Kings are looking better than all the bottom, which I already thought. Like I already had them in a tier bo- above those teams, but also the Blazers looking worse. Like the, the the margin between them, and then the other thing, as I've watched the Blazers in the preseason, that has really given me pause. This will come up a little bit later. You and I talk a fair amount about injuries that occur in guys in their late 20s and early 30s, and they miss, let's call it a year plus. And with Lillard, he did play, but he wasn't himself. Is there's going to be a step down during that time period, even if the player was healthy. And so my concern that Lillard isn't going to be the last time we saw him, the player we he was the last time we saw him healthy. And that is, unless Anthony Simons is incredible, which he was for parts of last year, I, I had been more confident that their offense was going to be elite, and I have way less confidence that their defense is going to be passive.
2: Yeah, the Blazers and Kings actually could end up being a pretty big game in the grand scheme of things for that 10th seed, you know, because making the 10th seed is so big, after all. It is in Sacramento. But they, they play on opening night, Wednesday. Then another drop down here. I'm higher on San Antonio than and Utah than some, it would seem. I actually had 27 wins for the Spurs. Utah, 25. Houston twenty four, OKC twenty three, rounding out the Western Conference.
3: I like the Spurs and the Jazz better. We'll wonder how they, how these those kind of two more talented teams manage their rosters over the course of the year. But there are reasons to believe that the Rockets and Thunder could take steps forward, propelled largely by their young guys. You know, Josh Giddy and Jalen Green and Shea and everyone else just taking real steps forward. And I mean.
2: Jalen Williams or, or are you doing Jalen green on Jalen
3: Green Houston? on
2: Houston oh okay okay
3: because um, because like you and I both think that the Rockets and the Thunder are less talented at the moment than the Spurs and the jazz but if those guys look a little bit better then we could see Houston and OKC take sets forward and make this a more balanced tier which is what I think is going to eventually happen except I think they're all going to lose a ton of games
2: yeah and the Spurs I think their defense will be passable I think they'll they're still going to try a little bit they'll avoid turning it over so it, it, again things could easily change with these groups a lot of it depends on how hard they lean into tanking as well it does kind of seem like man greg popovich if this is his last year just totally crazily straight up tanking at the end that would maybe this won't be his last year western conference why don't you start us off here what's your top group in the west
3: in the east it is yes the eastern conference it is a three-team tier with and again, the order matters a lot less here. The Celtics, the Bucs, and the Sixers. I think that all three of those teams have star-level talent. They have depth now with the Sixers adding House, Tucker, and Melton. And the Celtics, because of Robert Williams' injury, because of the uncertainty with e. Ian I don't think they're going to run and hide necessarily. I'm very concerned about Robert Williams' injury. I'm very concerned about Middleton and Connaughton being out at the same time. But it is important to remember with these that it's a really long season and so like the bucks could look a little bit worse for the first month with these guys being out but there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover here and I mean it's gonna take roughly you know six months to work through this and everybody's going to deal with injury issues so I I have those those three teams and then another group behind that that we'll talk about in a bit yeah so
2: I would say I mean just I don't know if I want to go tears necessarily I mean I yeah I just don't see Milwaukee getting the number one seed particularly with the injury issues that you mentioned we analyzed a little bit what the loss of Connaughton would mean. And, and Chris Middleton is going to miss the first couple of weeks, at least now, Shams reported, over the last couple of days. I got Boston and Philly both with 54 wins. If I had to pick one to be the number one seed, I would go with Philly. They don't have any injury issues right now. And P.J. Tucker has had some... Some dings and and had surgery, but I think they had in the regular season, they have the depth to make up for him missing a few games. And so they're largely healthy, which I think puts them uh, ahead of Boston. And possibly, I mean, Boston has still looked pretty good in the preseason, but they have other guys who are injury risks. They're a little bit more thin now. Shams reported that Robert Williams underwent a PRP procedure in his knee, which that might just be part of the standard healing process. I don't think he's at the point where he's even like resuming basketball activity yet. But the initial timeline for him was eight to 12 weeks, and that was pretty much right at the beginning of camp. Shams said he's going to return at some point during the second half of the season. I'm told his hope is sometime in or December or January, but it could be even later than that. And if he's saying second half of the season, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be later than that. Rob deserves credit for the way he pushes to try and get back, but I think they're going to be extremely conservative with him now, particularly if the season is going pretty well. So, then I got Milwaukee with 51 wins. I lowered them from 52 based on this Coniston injury and confirmation of the time that Middleton is going to continue to miss. And, you know, your wrist too. That's not exactly, it's going to take some time, I think, for him to be able to get back and shoot the sure. ball since that's his primary skill. Then I got Brooklyn, 49 wins. Everything's going great for them so far among the big three, which is most important. But we mentioned that Joe Harris and Seth Curry won't be ready to start the season. For them, but they, I think they have depth at least in the near term to make up for that. Miami, forty-eight wins. I could, I kind of was regretting going that low, but I just wonder how many games Jimmy is going to play, and I don't think they'll be able to kind of beat up on these teams during the COVID period, where they're just going to be more cohesive with their backups than other teams. But I also like can't foresee any circuit. You know how we do like the ranges. I'm kind of like, can I foresee Miami being like 45 wins or lower? Like, no, it's really hard to imagine that. So maybe you feel like you should go higher on them. But I have them as the 5C with 48, tied with Cleveland at 48, Uh, Toronto 47. Another team that I think actually has some pretty good upside if their defense goes crazy. And same thing with Cleveland. I mean, these... And Minnesota, these teams that we haven't seen together yet, who just added these really good players from a really good team in in the jazz the last few years, and like maybe especially with health, like Cleveland could come together, and I mean, like like with Minnesota, the Cleveland Cavaliers like could be the number one seed. I can absolutely. absolutely see that possibly happening.
3: They could. And Cleveland, the, you know, the part of the, I have these parallels. You brought it up, not only with the new additions, but teams that have an argument to be that they could be really good on offense and really good on defense. I, I don't yeah. think it's the most yeah. likely scenario, but like, that's the path to being a number one seed is you have these, you have these stabilities that you can, that you can really go to. And like, I mean that it, I could see Cleveland doing, I have them in the second tier, but they, they could like you. I, I think Miami could have a really good year. And then, Toronto. And so I have the nets in here too. And then the Raptors, as you mentioned, I I think the Raptors have one of the narrower bands. And the reason is not their defense. I think their defense is going to be very good. I just, I think the story for the Raptors on offense is going to be very similar to last year where their half court offense is still shaky, but they're getting the most out of every other constituent element. They're running a ton. They're getting steals. They're getting a ton of offensive rebounds and putting them back in the basket. But that's, you know, unless they get that half court offense to 15th or better, I'm not going to trust them to win 55.
2: Then I, I, although it's only a two win drop off, I do kind of see the bands for these teams as being lower with Atlanta at 45. A lot of these projection systems really like the Atlanta Hawks and have them kind of in the 50 win range. I just don't see it there. I think their offense is facing a significant drop off due to the loss of shooting and i'm not a a huge dejounte murray believer but he could he's young enough to take a step forward he could prove me wrong and this is basically kind of a uh, i think it's going to kind of come out in the wash these changes that they made which would be a disappointment given the capital they gave up but uh and the fact that they're now pretty expensive although that was going to happen anyway nine seed to me is to be the knicks 42 wins. I'm a little higher on them than some. I think their bench is going to absolutely kill people. Uh, they've got good depth. I think they're going to be better defensively now. One of the really underrated aspects of their struggles a year ago was they just didn't have a quality rim protector available for a lot of the season with Mitchell Robinson hobbled at the start of the year. and Noel had a lost year. So now to have 48 minutes of good rim protection, Robinson has looked great in preseason. Uh, Julius Randall is is looking better as well. They've got a bunch of young guys who can improve. Brunson has, is a good player; like he's going to help them. Even though I wasn't quite that high on the signing in the long term, so Knicks uh, nine seed forty two wins. Then I go down to Chicago at forty in the tenth seed. Just the loss of Lonzo Ball. Patrick Williams doesn't look quite yet like he's taken a big step forward, which is what they needed. Zach Levine is kind of easing back into things after offseason knee surgery. DeMar DeRozan, I don't think he can repeat his season. I think they're going to be a, a lower level defense with their personnel. So yeah, I think I have them slightly below 500. Charlotte, I lowered them a little bit just with this Lamello ball injury. Where he, he's doubtful for the start of the season, probably going to be a week or two still for him.
3: I, I and, actually moved yeah. the Hornets below the Wizards because of the not only because of this injury, but also the I'm 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 growing increasingly wary of their disaster potential. Whereas mm. I think the Wizards the Wizards are going to push to some extent as long as they're kind of in the mix, and I could see the the race for for Wemby Scoot put being intriguing to the Hornets. Also, like the Hornets are in this strange place where like they have players that I like, but I don't know if they're going to get the combinations right. Like it, it kind of takes a lot without Miles Bridges there to get these pieces. I think they're going to miss him a lot, but also like just, are they going to have enough good shot creation? They also have guys like Gordon Hayward that injuries. And what is the, like? I mean, Steve Clifford, the, I would have them, I might even have them further down if Steve Clifford wasn't their coach, because he has done such a great job over the years for raising defenses. And that's exactly what Charlotte needs
2: yeah but again it, even though it was it looked so disorganized they weren't like an atrocious defense last year no they weren't i, I mean they they could like quote unquote be better on defense but not actually do much better yeah I, I think there is that's reasonable i just think that charlotte still has enough talent to stay in touch with the play in, and if they are close to there i think they'll continue to push maybe not maybe because they made the 10th seed and got destroyed they're just like eh, who cares we don't need to do that again this year Then I got a significant drop down to the Pistons at 28, and I did do that projection before the Boyan trade. However, they have had a bad preseason, have not looked good. So I think I'll stick with the 28 uh, for them. Uh, Just not sure whether they're going to get there on offense. Like Kate doesn't look great, although I don't put too much in that. Most of that's just been bad outside shooting, but uh, I'm not going to write him off based on, on a bad preseason. Then Indiana at twenty six and Orlando at twenty six round out this group.
3: I, I'm not. I have them in this tier, but the Magic are fun. I think they might be a little feisty. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they moved into that like chance of the play in group. But I want to see more of it. I'm still a little concerned about their offense.
2: Yeah, it, it does look like for them. Jalen Suggs is going to be back to start. Actually, we talked about that a couple days ago. So worth noting here, just in the overall sense. This is a prediction of 1,250 wins for the league. And of course, that will not come true. There's 1,230 wins available in the league. I I, I think there are a couple of places that I would expect this to come from in the end. One is, of course, these bottom teams, uh, particularly in the East, just... Going all in on the tank at the end i'm not sure exactly who those teams are going to be you know it just doesn't feel that way for like a detroit or an orlando this year for example also there's going to be a couple of teams that are just going to have a major injury and that'll just kind of be at like your portland and indianas last year where they just win 20 games fewer than expected and i've kind of decided over the course of this maybe i shouldn't just stick with this approach because i did not do well in my predictions last year but that trying to predict what team that is going to be is kind of a fool's errand. Right. And so just go with the way the teams feel, Hey, you might be wrong on one of them. And Hey, if you know, a team has a, a year like Portland a year ago, that's your 20 win difference right there, just for them to go to a 47 projection down to 27. And that's how you, you get to the actual. So I would rather be like, there's one team would be way wrong on. So why reduce my projection on all the teams just to get to exactly 1230. When I don't think that actually helps you be that much more accurate,
3: right? I, I talked about this in a kind of a similar context with somebody's like, "Oh, you have all these teams going over forty nine wins in the West." I'm like, "Somebody's not," but I'm not good. I'm not going to predict who it's going to be because if I predict who it's going to be, I'm probably going to get both wrong. I'm going to get the team right. that falls under wrong, and I'm going to get the team that go that that ends up staying up. And so, just trust your feel and 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 go on that. I, I agree with you there. But let's get to conference finalists and NBA champions.
2: Well, well d- real quickly here before we do that, uh, the bottom tier of the league, Utah, Houston, OKC, Indiana, Orlando, San Antonio. I think those six. A lot of people would throw Detroit in there. I still, I think Detroit is just a, a little bit, they just feel a little bit different than those teams. I think like the, I don't see them just like totally tanking down the end where I could see that happening with all these other teams. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since... And then the tier of what I would say championship contenders. I have two tiers on that. And if you feel differently on this, let me know. I have a top four, I would say, when we actually get in the playoffs of championship contenders. And that's actually, as it turns out, the same as Vegas does outside of the net. So Golden State, the Clippers, Boston, Milwaukee. Those are my top four championship contenders. Yep. And then I have a second tier where I, this, to me, encompasses... Between this first and second tier encompasses all of the teams that I realistically could see winning the championship this year. Memphis, Phoenix, Denver, Philly, Brooklyn, Miami.
3: Yeah, no real argument here. I mean, I'd be tempted with cleveland and minnesota but i'm not quite there yet i might not even have the suns in tier two as a playoff team i am concerned about how like some of some of the stuff that came up but is that is that mostly based on them the last couple of games of the western conference fin- or semifinals? maybe
2: yeah and some might be like well hey you're you said cleveland or minnesota could possibly be the number one seed how can you not see them as a championship contender i just think that those teams are too playoff inexperienced and also just have some pretty severe flaws personnel wise that could be exploited particularly on the defensive end when you get into the playoffs and i could even see one of those teams making the finals but i can't just by virtue of getting the number one seed i just can't see them making it to actually win the championship um all right conference finalists who you got
3: you mentioned you have four teams as top-tier contenders. Those are my final four. The the Bucks and the Celtics in the East, the Celtics, or sorry, the Warriors and the Clippers in the West. Then you game well, it out. And, and quickly, I
2: have the same. Um, although I have Boston-Milwaukee as the two and three seeds, I still would have them as the most likely conference finalists. I think, you know, playoff power rankings, they would be the highest. And I, I think trying to get so granular is like, oh, yes, like I, I am now locked into this bracket as predicting my – conference finalists because i have the box with 51 wins and the three seed and broken with 49 wins as the four seed so i can't like those are going to be the matchups for sure and i have to game that out i'm not going to get to that level i think playoff i'll just these are kind of a playoff power rankings type of thing so uh it's quite possible of course boston milwaukee could match up earlier as they did a year ago.
3: And on the same lines of playoff power rankings, I don't get super granular about, oh, if gaming out if these two teams play in late May, who is going to win. I do the last kind of stages on who I think is the most likely champion and conference champion and so on and so forth. Right. And so I think there is a, because A, they've already been at that level, of the, we don't have the same kind of, of injury uncertainty. I think the Warriors are a more likely Western Conference champion than the Clippers, so I am picking them. In May, would I pick them to win the series? I don't know. We'll see when we get there. Hopefully we get that series. I would love to see it.
2: Oh God, I hope we get that series.
3: And it's in, the, the East is trickier because I think the Celtics, as I project them out in May, are the best team, but... I'm not ready to pick against Giannis in the Eastern Conference playoff series yet. I'm I'm just not. And I know the Bucs are flawed and I have all these, I have all these things. I'm not willing to do it. So I'm just picking the Bucs win these.
2: Yeah. All right. We are in disagreement there. I got Boston and Golden State in the finals and I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors repeat as champions again with the caveat that I, those odds that I mentioned at the beginning of about a one in six chance, those seem about right to me for a lot of these teams. So we're not I, I might bump it up maybe a little bit for Golden State and bump the Nets down a little bit, uh, bump it up a little bit for Boston. But yeah, I think ultimately the Bucks' flaws are, are just going to be too much of an issue. I also think that if they match up against Philly, that Philly, I think the Bucks are more talented and Giannis is by far the best player in that series. But I also think that Philly has some matchup advantages in that series with Embiid with not having to play pick and roll defense uh, that could expose their lack of defensive versatility I think they got some decent guys in Embiid and Tucker who can guard Giannis so I'm if Philly had home court there's a possibility I might even pick Philly in that series so I think I I like Boston's chances of getting to the East Finals more than Milwaukee particularly because Boston I think is going to just have a better regular season than Milwaukee so I think that's part of why I would end up picking Boston and to make it as well as i'm i'm less sanguine about the bucks chances to even make it to the conference finals
3: sure I think that's fair. And are you ready to transition into awards?
2: Yeah, let's do it. MVP. I,
3: I'll, wait, I'll. I want to put a couple of things out there in terms of my thought process here, especially because sure, sure. they are they are different than how some other people do their preseason award stuff. So number one, I believe both of us do this. It is based on who we predict to deserve it. We are not projecting voting behavior here. We are not saying, oh, well, we think Jokic is going to be the best player in the league, but he's not going to win three MVPs in a row, so we're not going to pick him. That's not the way this works. Same thing because it's. Too too, like it's too exhausting mentally to kind of get get into that. Also, generally speaking, voters have picked deserving players for various different and coaches for various different awards. So this is straight on deserving. This is not counting in behaviors or anything like that. The other one we talked about the postseason power rankings just a minute ago. The way I did MVP in particular, it is not number one is my most likely like number two is the second most likely to finish first, not the sec most likely to finish second. That's the way that I do that. <laughs> um, okay. That's because fair. there, That's there are certain circumstances where that is, where that really matters, you know? So it's like, right. so it's the idea of, you know, like, okay, ev- everybody's going to need a great season to get there. Who's kind of great season do I think does it? And the likelihood matters. Like that'll tie in with one person who's going to be lower on my list than almost everybody else's. But that's how I do it. So I'll let you go first. Who is your most likely MVP?
2: Yeah, and again, I will echo what you said. This is who I think is going to deserve it. I think that has come closer to the consensus has kind of come closer to the way that we do it over the years. It's been a little bit less narrative driven. And, and in the past, less like I think you have to thing. be
3: on the top two teams or something, which is great.
2: Yeah. Uh, Luka Doncic is my pick for MVP I think if you just look at what he did from January to the end of the season a year ago he would have been right there I think from a narrative perspective if we're talking about who will get MVP I think the Dallas is going to overperform relative to some of these other teams but I think he's just going to be awesome and while I don't think that the my kind of more perimeter bias versus big man bias that doesn't apply as much in the regular season it does a little bit to me Uh, number two well here why don't you just you can give your number one actually as well
3: my number one is Giannis Antetokounmpo I think that he is the best regular season player in the league, the only elite candidate who provides significant value on offense and defense. And I'm I'm going to go that way. He might not play enough games. It's hard to know with any of these gentlemen, but I'm going to have Giannis as, as the most likely deserving candidate, though. I think, you know, Luca is, of course, firmly in this mix for me, too.
2: Yeah, I had Giannis third, a lot of it based on the playing time issue. I think he's going to continue to slow down on defense. In the regular season in particular, although he was unbelievable for large swaths of that Celtics series on defense. So uh, I think just the minutes, the games, and just a general kind of slowing down. I mean, I know he plays really hard, but maybe he just won't. The, the Bucks will be so bad around him that he won't be able to be his incredible self. He'll just have too many holes to plug. Um, so I, I have him third. I have Jokic second. I'm just, I mean, the guy's like an absolute machine. Hopefully this wrist injury isn't anything serious and he may throttle back a little bit, but he's been the most valuable player to me and the voters as well. I don't think he's going to win it due to the narrative fatigue, but this is one of those things where it's like, hey, like, why is he going to be worse this year? I don't really understand why he would be. So he's going to be right up in there for me as well. Uh, Giannis third. I think the Warriors are going to have a good season. Then Steph Curry fourth. I think he's going to shoot the ball better than he did. And we've always been generally higher on Steph's value. I mean, I think that's another one where particularly if Jordan Poole is playing really well, maybe they'll just get him more rest and that could be a problem. Uh, And then fifth, I have Joel Embiid.
3: I have Embiid fifth as well, and the big reason why is games played, because Embiid's highest career games played was last year, and I think high 60s is the absolute minimum for a player to be seriously considered as deserving. Just because somebody's going to have a great year and somebody's going to play a lot. And so, Embiid, if he, I would love for him to have 72, 75, 78 games played. But as a practical consideration, I'm not going to assume that last year's career high is the new standard. So, I would, I, he might end up being my permitted MVP, but to win the, the, whole, the whole damn thing, I'm going to have him below the other four.
2: Yeah, so... Here are the odds. Uh, I want to do a Watfo on this. I think this is interesting. I kind of, I kind of like th- this format. We did this a, a little bit with the West when we did the Watfo about what are the odds that one of those bottom four teams is not in the bottom four or projected bottom four teams. Here are the odds for MVP: Luca plus three ninety, Giannis plus five seventy five, Embiid plus six fifty. Then you have a big drop down to Tatum plus a thousand, KD plus eleven 1, hundred. What do you think the chances are that the actual MVP? We're talking about who will get the MVP now. The actual MVP is not one of those five people.
3: So that in, that group includes Jokic and Curry, correct?
2: Yes, Jokic and Curry are not in there. Um, and I would I would say if I were going to do a top eight, I would also throw John Morant in there as a a possible. So would I MVP? I had him. So,
3: as, I had him as seventh. Kind of. I didn't go formally yeah. ranking the rest of them, but I had him seventh.
2: Yeah, so what are your chances that the MVP is not Luca, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, or KD?
3: Thirty-eight percent.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I had thirty in my mind. That's what I, that's what I'll I'll stick with. Obviously, I'm not going to change it now that I heard what yours is. But uh, yeah, and I, I mean there there could be. I'm just trying to think of if there's now. Uh, how about outside of that top eight? And that's a, we don't have to do that as an official Watfo, but of just someone we weren't even remotely thinking of who would be like number nine for you.
3: Did you mention Booker?
2: Booker was not mentioned.
3: Yeah, it might be him.
2: Yeah, this is who will get it, obviously.
3: I mean, and the other one, like if the projections are, if the projections are right, and we're wrong, Trey Young.
2: Yeah, Kawhi and LeBron are possibilities too. Sure. Um, I would say like, but just again, Kawhi. I, I mean, he could play at an MVP level, right? Like it's just the games and the minutes. And hey, if the Lakers get to 50 games, they'll probably be at some. I think actually in terms of winning it, if the Warriors are really good, there might be kind of like a lifetime achievement thought for Steph. Same thing with LeBron if the Lakers make it to 50 wins. And hey, if they, they could easily do that, too, and get into that top four in the West if they make a deal with Westbrook and give up the two first-round picks, Woj said they're expected to re-engage on that shortly once the all of the roster Shuffling is uh, done, which it now is.
3: Nate, who is the who? So it's Luca, Giannis, Embiid, someone, or KD. Those are the top five in MVP odds.
2: uh Tatum is the other one. Tatum,
3: thank you. I'm writing in the Watfo right now.
2: That's good. You're a much better multitasker than I am. If I start writing something, that I'm just not listening to
3: anything. I, one other player I'll mention. I, I know John Hollinger talked about him in the in the preview pod he did with Zach Lowe. Is Jimmy Butler? I think Jimmy Butler. That it's not a priority for him to ring, win regular season MVP. Uh, I and I'd love to see it happen. I just don't, I don't think that's going to be his signature this year is winning regular season MVP. All
2: right. Coach of the year now. And my rubric for for this is which coach added the most value towards winning regular season basketball games this season. And this, for me, at least in my personal criteria is not, Hey, who exceeded expectations the most, right? So like, like for a guy like Mike Budenholzer, the, the bucks are, I think are not, gonna be that good during the regular season this year so i he, i don't have him really as a serious candidate but for guys like mike budenholzer quinn sirens with the jazz eric spolstra i mean the heat could be right at expectations but those expectations include them having an awesome coach so i'm not to be and i think miami has a decent chance of exceeding that 48 wins that i project for them too if they stay healthy so or if they make a, a deal to improve their four position or if their next. Round of guys like Jamal Kane or Haywood Highsmith or whoever come out of the woodwork. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, this is kind of like, I default a lot more towards who I think is the best coach in the NBA versus just, oh, hey, your team exceeded. Expectations by 15 wins.
3: Right. It, it's similar for me. So I had Spolster one, Nick Nurse two, and Taylor Jenkins three. Each one of those coaches has some real stuff to figure out within their rotation. I think all three of them are damn good coaches. And the, you know, like, and Jenkins, I mean, i this didn't come in too much. I actually picked Memphis to have the most wins in the regular season in the West. So I could see him, Ooh. you know, if that ends up happening, that would be, that I think he might yeah. actually win it.
2: Yeah. And I, I've got Spolster one as well. I actually have Steve Kerr, number two. I just think he's a really, really, Good coach. I thought he proved that quite a bit. To me, he's not getting nearly enough credit, honestly, sure, for the Warriors Championship a year ago. And I thought when they had guys healthy, he was able to mix and match and find the combinations pretty well. I'm pretty high on the Warriors this year. So uh and then Jenkins would be my number three. Other potential candidates, Paris the Thought Danny, Jason Kidd. Sure. If I'm predicting the Mavericks to overperform a little bit, you know, Chris Finch is another one where I think he's a really good coach. I've said it's a possibility the Wolves get the number one seed. If so, I would have to take his candidacy very seriously. Um, and, and then Nurse, men- obviously. I, well. I want
3: to yeah. mention Ty Lu for sure also. Like, I think Ty Lue's a great coach. Yeah. I, I wonder what he's going he's to have a weird deck to play this year. But I think he's a damn good coach. So I want to mention it.
2: Yeah, I think their defensive performance last year is indicative of that. I, I think he's a little bit overrated at this point in time. Like, he wouldn't be in my top, like, Three coaches in the league, maybe more like top five. But I, I think again the Clippers are just they're gonna have a weird regular season. Um uh, also I did think it was interesting. I think it was the GM survey that said who is the best at making playoff adjustments, and Ty Lu was ranked number one with that. I was like, Well, he's the best at making adjustments because his initial strategy often is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> his team goes down 0-2. So yeah, yeah, he makes he makes adjustments because. You know, sometimes, if you have a good initial strategy, you don't need to adjust as much. Ah, the
0: sweet sound of sports you love from sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. At once, starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
2: Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time, to dress up rather than dress down. I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing something? Somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants womenswear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace Use your Capspace, we talk all the time here on the program to get ten percent off any purchase of three hundred ninety nine dollars or more. That's ten percent off at Indochino, I N D O C H I N O, indochino.com and don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us. Okay, here is one that we always is always interesting. I didn't think there was an obvious candidate here. Who will be the first coach to be fired? Is there anyone that really you you've feel like shoots up to the top of this list for you
3: no there isn't and it's always a challenge because you're in some ways picking a team to underperform their expectations as well as oftentimes our own they're not usually that far in alignment but i think there's a kind of a top group of two which is nate mcmillan and tom thibodeau where both both the hawks and the knicks have expectations that like, especially the Hawks that because of that conference finals, that might be outpaced outpacing how good they're actually going to be. And so there's a difference between being the nine seed, the eight seed, when you think that's a reasonable outcome. And when you think, Oh, we should be so much better. The models predicting the Hawks to be so good, I think is a concern. And then that's also part of the reason why I'm lower on the Hawks to begin with is that I don't, I, th- I don't think Nate McMillan is like, this is a weird roster to figure out. And I, I haven't seen him be particularly adept at figuring out a weird roster roster before and with Tibbs if well
2: quickly on McMillan uh before you get to Thibodeau there's also some reporting out there that the front office was lower on what McMillan was doing at times and some of his schemes so that that when that kind of reporting is out there, that uh, can be a red flag.
3: Sure, can be.
2: And, and but you were going to talk about uh, Tom Thibodeau though.
3: Yeah. So there, there were rumors or reporting about conflict between Thibodeau and Leon Rose, the overall Knicks front office, last year, and especially that could come to a head if it's another year where he's like not playing. You know, Obi Toppin and some of these other young guys. The Quentin Grimes Fournier thing, which may get resolved by Grimes actually being healthy enough to play. Like maybe that's been a part of this, if. It weren't for the CAA connection. I, I still think I'd have McMillan over Tibbs, but that is a, you know, like that, the strongness there. But I want to go through some of the other ones, because remember that in first coach fired, you're pretty much looking for things to go off, like if they went off the rails. But also, how strong is the connection between typically this is an ownership level decision between ownership and that coach? Like if things go wrong, who's going to be the scapegoat? That's part of why Nate McMillan ties, because I think it's going to be him instead of Schlenk, even if that's not necessarily right. Um, and so. You can throw a couple, and then I'll throw a couple.
2: Well, the one factor I would add in as well is contractual situation. Of course. And that's what's driving my list to some degree. Because, again, I don't think there are obvious candidates the way, say, Luke Walton was <laughs> in the past. Uh, well, we disagreed on
3: that to an extent from what I recall. But. Uh,
2: uh, yes, and uh, I was wrong to disagree with you <laughs> on that. Uh, uh, just because I didn't think they would ax him so early in the season I figured there's a reason they held on to him, but in any event, Steven Salas would be my number one because again, he's going to the last guaranteed year of his contract and they've had moments where it felt like he could be on the precipice. Like when they lost thing 14 of 15 last year. So if they have another stretch like that, I think they probably pull the plug at that point. And Dwayne Casey would also be up there for me. This seems like one where they've struggled at the, in the preseason. There does seem to be an expectation for them to get better. If the young guys don't necessarily take a step forward, he also is in the last year of his deal guaranteed. And if they feel like, with both Silas and Casey as well, if things aren't going well and they feel like, hey, we're not going, we don't feel like we want to extend this guy after this year anyway then we might as well just move on now because the results on the floor right now aren't good and we're not going to keep him around. Right. So I think those like, factors are why I have those two guys at the top two. Not even that I necessarily, well, I think Casey, I, I kind of like the job that he's done. Silas doesn't have much of an argument at this point. I talked about that with, with Kelly Eco that he needs to, make an affirmative argument this year to keep his job
3: yeah and and what i like about casey is there's also possibility maybe it wouldn't technically be a firing though you and i would count it because it's really coach is no longer coach is the way we want to think about this where they're going to lose a lot of games he knows that it's not going to be him after that year and so they like agree to part ways in in some way so that he doesn't have all those losses on his resume and gets to be out there yeah and
2: and that the organizational priorities can be fulfilled
3: exactly so we could see a possibility like that i want to mention my because i have both of them on Silas, but and Silas is my three specifically. The two next ones are juicier than the others, and that's because they're teams with high expectations. And one of them is Steve Nash. Obviously Steve Nash. Already already the subject of some demands during the offseason, of course. And then I know that it seems like there's been a lot of public stuff. You and I both think that this team is going to be very good. I think there's a possibility it's Doc Rivers.
2: Yeah. That's that's an interesting one if things go poorly. Because I I do think they have the personnel at this point. The Doc thing, though, seems like that happens after a playoff disappointment more than during the regular season. In part because Doc Rivers has done an outstanding job coaching this team in the regular season.
3: He has. he, He
2: always does. Like, when's the last time Doc Rivers didn't do a good job coaching a team in the regular season?
3: It's been a while. You're you're more encyclopedic on that than I am.
2: I mean, you would have to uh, maybe some of those later Chris Paul Blake years, but they were pretty injured at that point. Like I I, I can't remember the yeah, last like there, time they docked. There
3: are small decisions within a season that justifiably fans and media members obsess over, including Mr. Paul Reed not getting enough time and them not really testing stuff out in second year. But that's not that's not the overall you know like no. team team did team performed at their talent level especially on defense that type of stuff the last i think
2: he got a five-year deal so this is only year three they would have to eat Likely two two guaranteed years on that.
3: Well, and the other challenge with Philly is it would have to be presumably you have someone else in waiting, and so maybe that's Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> like you, the he's still around, you can continue Rockets East. I want to mention two others though: um, Billy Donovan and Chauncey Billups. Billups, because I think the I think the Blazers could have a really rough year. It would be early on in the process, so that's why he's low on my list, but on there, right. And with Billy Donovan, there's the question, if the Bulls don't live up to expectations, who gets the blame? I think it's going to be Donovan over Arturis. That's my instinct. So it could be that he ends up getting getting the scapegoat in the fire.
2: I don't think he's done a bad job with them. And I, the Bulls love to make excuses for injuries, too. I, and I think that they made this big contractual commitment to him. This is, again, only year three. I think he had a five-year deal as well. So I would be very surprised there just from like a money contractual thing. And I I, like they view him as a top level coach and he did a really good job last year too. So I, that would really surprise me. So here's my total list again, Silas one, Casey two, McMillan three, Steve Nash four. I I don't actually don't think the nets are going to be that bad this year, but there's and I think he's going to try to impose what he's doing a little bit more. I talked about that with uh, Brian Lewis, some, and it seems like everyone is kind of bought in there, but and I think just from an optics standpoint, they don't want to fire him. I, like, if the, I think it would take them being healthy-ish and also really disappointing, you know, in the five hundred-ish range on pay, or on pace for forty-five wins for Nat, it to happen to Nash.
3: I, I think there Cy could be a mutiny him. unrelated to players, unrelated to success of the team. Like that's a possibility with him more so than almost. Yeah,
2: and then I will put uh, Thibodeau fifth just because there were some rumors about a disconnect last year it's just my biggest thing is i don't think the knicks are going to be bad enough to where they would do that
3: fair enough defensive player of the year lots of worthy considerations here i don't think jaron jackson's going to play enough he would have been you know he would have been on i think Uh, well he actually maybe he will
2: taylor jenkins said he is hoping to start getting him doing five on five in the next couple of weeks so i think I think we could see him within, towards the end of the first month of the season. Right. but
3: and that, would, our, and that would be enough time, but I think they're going to be extremely yeah. judicious with his in-season rest as well, even after. Well,
2: the- and also, I mean, again, this is not how we do things, but when you're talking about the actual award winner, the... It's just you can't get a narrative if you miss the first month of the season. Like, like that's where a lot of this shit is established. It's like you, you, you gotta be I, really I, I, awesome at either the beginning of the season or the end of the season.
3: Well, and if I mean, I think it's a possibility. Um the other kind of more on the distant side of it, but just players I really like, they could have it. Um I don't think the Pacers defense is going to be good, but if it is, Miles Turner is going to be the reason. So maybe yep. there's an outside yep. shot there. Um, And then Evan Mobley, I'm a believer in his defensive capabilities. I I think that he, this is probably to me more an all defense year rather than a a defensive player of the year performance for him. But it is a distinct possibility. And then for me, the top, kind of the top three, the top tier are the same ones it's been for years. I believe other than Marcus Smart, the only people have won the award in the last little while, Giannis, Draymond Green, and Rudy Gobert.
2: I'm going to go with Draymond, number one. He would have won it for me last year. He's going to be extremely motivated. I think it's just a question of health for him. I think if he is healthy, he's going to get there. Uh, may- they maybe don't have quite as much around him as they did a year ago when they are playing Iguodala the first half of the year. That That's probably something that was also missed in the Warriors' defensive declines that Iguodala didn't play in addition to Draymond not playing. And uh, Gary Payton the second, they're not going to have him anymore, but I still think they're going to be pretty good on defense. Gobert is number two for me. We'll just have to see how it all meshes in Minnesota, but I don't think it's going to be worse than it was in Utah. And then Bam Adebayo is number three for me. I think.
3: Oh, yeah, I should have mentioned him.
2: Um, Giannis, again, I I think is the Bucks' overall defense just isn't going to quite be good enough. Uh, I'll second you on Jaron and, and Mobley and Turner. And Anthony Davis still is someone who, as a possibility, needs to be respected, although I think he's looked better on offense than defense in the preseason when he's played. I
3: have... And- Yeah. Sorry, I have Gobert one Draymond two on the logic that I think Green's gonna play a lot less center in the regular season because they have Looney and Wiseman who they want to give minutes to and who are both, you know, intriguing
2: yeah, But but if he plays next to Looney a lot, their overall defense would be pretty good, probably True. Well.
3: And but and, and I'm worried, as you said, about the, the level of perimeter defense out there. And and with Minnesota, like there the idea that Gobert will get credit in some ways for things that already had started last year. Uh I think and, and I think Minnesota's gonna have a lot to figure out on offense. I think they'll be okay on defense. I I think they'll figure it out pretty
2: early. You know, I think I'm going to switch it. I'm going to put Gobert one as I just think more about some of the lineups that Golden State's going to play. He is going to be maybe with some of these rookies, but also I think they're going to go with the pool, Steph and Clay altogether group more. And so I think that's just going to be a little bit more difficult to pick up. So I'll go with Draymond number two and Gobert number one, particularly because Gobert has a better health record recently than Draymond. And then I always like to talk about this too, of who are the like real breakout candidates on defense this year. I kind of struggled to come up with that. I mean, Mobley, we kind of already see him at that level. The two guys I came up with, uh, one is Isaiah Stewart. Mm. Just a possibility that he, the Pistons are going to be doing a lot of switching this year. He could be a big part of that. I, I think he, Could take a step forward. He's a pretty good rim protector, even though he doesn't have great explosion. Like his feet are good. He gets there. Uses his chest pretty well. His rim protection numbers have been outstanding the first two years for him. And then actually Ben Simmons, who I mean he was in the defensive player of the year conversation, and I always thought that overstated him, but I think he's going to get more of a chance to play center this year. And I don't think he's going to be good at it, but. Maybe he'll show that he can kind of be that all-court force, more of a rim protector this season, playing center some on defense. Uh, you know, he actually guarded Giannis pretty well, the, granted it was his preseason, but Giannis had usually beat him up in the past, so... He might be, and I think he'll get a chance to focus even more on defense than he has in the past. So it, there's a possibility that things could go really well for him defensively this year. And I could, again, we're talking about what we think, not what the poll is going to think. I think I could start seeing him actually as maybe a top five defender if he can add that help defending element.
3: Where do you want to go from here?
2: Let's go to sixth man of the year. This one is always difficult, both to evaluate the award and maybe even more so to predict because. You're not dealing at the extremes of the NBA, and there are just so many players who who count as well, right? You're trying to decide between the 50th and the 51st best player in the NBA, or maybe even lower than that, and you're just really splitting hairs at that point. However, I would say this is probably the most confident I've felt about a possible sixth man, and that's Jordan Poole.
3: He's going to have an opportunity, and I mean, we'll see how much he plays with Stephen Curry to get those. I, I think Pool. Some of it is the separation. Like, there isn't a player this year, as I'm seeing it right now, and this will shift. Who? does my favorite thing going back to like Iguodala's six million of the year cases and others where it's like they come off the bench, but they're also an essential part of the closing five. I I don't pools place in that. We saw it in the playoffs last year is complicated. And the work how Steve Kerr wants to manage the rotation will be. And I mean, how many close games they actually play, but I don't see that really anywhere. As a lot of the other players that I like, you know, like I think my number two, I have pool number one as well, like Tyus Jones, I, I, that's not really the role that he's going to play with the Wizards. He's more of a back, a very talented backup who can play a little bit with the starter, but who steps up when the starter is out. Unfortunately, John Morant's going to miss some time. Yeah. So you have those, and but one guy I don't have him as super high on the list. Well, two that I'll mention as possibilities here, though I don't think it's anywhere close to a probability. One, Max Strus. I still think he's a better fit for the Heat closing five than Tower Hero. I think there's a possibility that he ends up closing some games. Especially, it seems like Hero's been more fixated on starting than closing.
2: Yeah, and, and he will start. Skolnick was yeah. talking about that yesterday.
3: And then the other one, I don't—actually, I'll throw two more. Uh, the next one is Moxie Kliba. Like It could be Kleba, It could be Christian Wood. Who the hell knows Like what? how Jason Kidd wants to run this rotation, start, finish, all that stuff. Still seems very much up in the air. And then I'm not a Malcolm Brogdon believer. I think the Celtics have better players, but he could end up doing some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, I think Brogdon's chances, he, he was third for me on my prediction. I think his chances have really improved with the front court injuries that they've had and that probably will have, or, or at least absences with the Al Horford will probably get rested. So they're just... Going to need to play small lineups. They're going to have to play Brown and Tatum at the four more. And that's just going to open up a lot more minutes for him and potentially a closing spot for me on six man of the year. And maybe this is a reason not to have pool, but we'll see. I think they will close with him more this year in the regular season. I think you can get away with that. But if you don't, if you're not in the closing lineup, it's really hard for me to vote you a six man of the year. So, uh, like Kevin Love, for example, it was just really tough for me to do that. He was on a strict twenty-five minute game limit, um, so I did go with pool number one. We'll see whether he's in the closing lineup or not. It's also, it's going to help him just in terms of putting up stats that he may not start enough games overall to avoid qualifying. Because you have to start if you start more than half the games, then you're not you don't qualify anymore for sure. six man. But he's probably going to start enough games and put up numbers in those games. That Mm -hmm. when you're evaluating his overall season, he'll technically be eligible, but he'll have played more than a lot of these guys. Um, My number two, actually, with the news that Spencer Dinwiddie very well may be coming off the bench was him because I expect him to be in their closing lineup. I think he's he was really good with Dallas last year. He may not shoot it quite that well, but I think he's just a really good player. I mean, I think he's a starting level of point guard when available. And he's going to get all he can eat on that Dallas second unit, but he's going to also have good offensive pieces around him. They'll they're always going to have shooting there and he's going to have Christian Wood playing with him. So I I think he's has a really good chance that he would be my number two. I had Brogdon as number three Throw out a few other candidates. Some of these again are not to be your traditional points per game off the bench crown. Uh, Anyeka Kongwu, particularly again, if Capella misses time Uh, hilariously Tyler hero, if, (laughs) <laughs> he traditionally he traditionally has not played well as a starter and he's going to start the year as a starter, but he may not finish it as a starter. The heat may be better without him as a starter, as particularly given it's hard to play him and Duncan Robinson together. I don't know if they would start Robinson again. It probably would be struce but that's something to consider. Christian Wood has to be in this conversation as well with the news that he's coming off the bench, and if he can improve defensively, he's a good enough offensive player to be right in this conversation. Recall that this is his first time playing for a real team. He probably won't close now that they have Brunson, but Derek Rose.
3: Yep, he's on my list too. I have in- I have yeah. I have one more for you. Okay. Precious Chua.
2: Yeah, I thought about him. He could also end up starting for them, but yeah, he could take a big leap forward for sure.
3: I mean, we both love him defensively, and there's some, there are definitely some quirks offensively, but there are ways that Nick Nurse can use a Chua. Yeah. So yeah, and, I th-
2: and those quirks have become more manageable yes. as time has gone on. I'll throw a few more out there too. Colin Sexton, sure, unlikely to win the actual award because the Jazz just won't get enough attention, but it looks like he's going to come off the bench and he may well close games for them we'll see if a if a conley trade happens i could maybe change whether he's coming off the bench or not he's not gonna be healthy to start the year but gary payton the second maybe he just comes in and totally transforms this blazers defense uh larry nance may be a an issue of not playing that many minutes but i think he's gonna close games he's one of the best bigs in the league off the bench and to that same end uh isaiah hartenstein and rashawn holmes
3: I like that list quite a bit. Um, I will add in Bones Highland. He's more of a yay points. And Davion Mitchell. I like Davion Mitchell.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Most improved player. This one is always really hard. In terms of who actually wins the award, if you are a betting person, it generally has to be someone who ascends to at least near all-star level and is averaging like 20 points a game or more. So I generally will exclude second-year guys from this analysis. I think it's just too hard to compare to a rookie season versus an improvement and that's kind of there's an inspected or expected improvement there um and then you also i think we focus on more which maybe others don't of just guys going from like the 15th best player in the league to getting into the top five that generally is like kind of considered too high. well it was Ja last year right so he's which
3: was more in that flavor
2: yeah it was more in that flavor but it, a lot of times it's a guy like a cj mccollum who didn't really play very much the previous year. So this one is always completely impossible, particularly because it's also who beat expectations the most. And by definition, we are now saying what our expectations are. So it's it, it's tough to figure out. I mean, for us, it's like usually who did we think wasn't that good? And now they're good. So I, it's hard for me to say who that is. But let's uh, let's throw some candidates out there. At least this is the one that I'm probably the least interested in just because it's so hard. I shouldn't say I'm the least interested in. I, I think it's just the least useful.
3: Like you, I find this a challenging, frustrated, frustrating, often fruitless exercise. But the first guy I thought of was Caleb Martin. Just I think he's going to have a large role with the Heat. Could end up being a part of their closing five. But he's not a high usage guy. So it's like, you know, he doesn't tie in with the traditional winner. But I, I think he's a good player. I think he'll get the opportunity. And then another guy kind of along that line, I, it doesn't look like he's going to begin the year in the starting lineup. But I really like Dean Wade. And if he ends up being like, the, being the fifth starter on a legit good Cavs team, thats it's, it's not the usual path for a winner, but it would be a notable step.
2: I'll throw a few out there. Anthony Edwards, he might be my pick to actually win the award, although maybe a part of that the reason maybe that won't happen is people will kind of remember the playoffs last year and not remember that he actually wasn't that amazing in the regular yeah, that's, season.
3: That's a really good call, by the way,
2: a year ago. But particularly, again, if the Wolves are in the top half of that West playoff bracket, it's going to be because he was really good and he's the number one overall pick. People really like him. Bam Adebayo could be a very interesting one to me taking a step forward on offense. R.J. Barrett is another one who he gets a lot better every season of his career. He's a guy I haven't believed in as much, but he's improved more than I thought he could already. Maybe the only issue is just he's got to kind of go through Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle for touches, and they have the lack of spacing. DeAndre Ayton is an interesting one. If they are going to try to run more through him offensively as a creator, Desmond Bain, who... Maybe this, he might be another one who's a more, more of a could actually win it than the guy that I will pick because I think a lot of people just didn't realize how good he was last year, but you could see him maybe taking another step forward, being a lower level all-star. Memphis gets the number one seed. I have one for you. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Kind of in line with um, what you were talking about before with Desmond Bain, Tyrese Halliburton. I thought he had a nice, a nice year last year. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of opportunities, and he's actually my pick to win it, where mm, the, good one. the role that he's going to have with the Pacers, and I think their offense could actually be pretty legit, so he, he gets that credit, and Halbert, you know, he averaged, seven, he averaged 17.5 points a game after the trade, but he was at 15 overall for the season, so if he explodes, and even if the Pacers aren't that great, like, oh, wow, like, he, he could be a surprising, like, all-star consideration if the counting stats are ridiculous, and I think they might be. A
2: couple other names for you. Three, in fact, Jalen Brown, another one where maybe he wasn't getting as much credit. I think he made one all-star team, but he could get into the all-NBA conversation. Celtics could just completely kill it in the East. Two guys who are a little bit lower down who are actually already on max contracts, but just haven't been in the national conscious. I think De'Aaron Fox, if the Kings take a real step forward on offense and make it into the play-in, it, he could be someone we're talking about. Shea Gilgis-Alexander sure, as well. And Joe Masato was saying that he doesn't think that they will shut down Shea at the end of the year this year. I'll believe that when I see it, but that's, you know, Joe's pretty plugged in there. And if Shea, he he noted, if Shea's like going for an all NBA slot or something like that, or makes the all-star team, that just shutting him down wouldn't be something they would look at. And I think that's about all I can come up with here. Some people have been throwing out Jordan Poole there as well. Tyler Hero actually could be another one if he's starting. So
3: like, cause, and and the other thing is like, there are there are a lot of lower usage guys that I think are going to get bigger opportunities, but that's not usually the path towards actually like winning this award. So like, Jaden yeah. McDaniels, like I think he's going to have a much larger role with the Wolves this year than he had before. Maybe Trey Trey, Mur- but also Trey Murphy's a second year player. Um, but generally speaking, that's not the path to most improvement.
2: Hilariously, this guy I think has already won it, but Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. So all right, I guess I got to give you a top three here. I like Halliburton in the top three. That's a really good one. I think Edwards I'll put in there, and I guess I'll go Bam. So, yeah, I'll I'll go Edwards, Halliburton, and Bam. Ah,
0: the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? (laughs) That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do
1: ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Twenty-one plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Rookie of the year.
3: Part of this is opportunity. Part of it is success with the opportunity presented. And I think there are yeah. four. There are kind of four, maybe five guys that are going to get that opportunity part of it. And not surprisingly, they were all taken real high in the draft: paul boncaro Jaden Ivey, Jabari Smith. Ben Matherin and Keegan Murray and my three favorites of that group are Bunkero, Matherin and Murray. I'm going to go Paulo one, Ben Matherin two, Keegan Murray three.
2: Yeah, I thought of taking Matherin to the number one. I he has just played awesome in basically every summer league and every preseason game. Looks like he may not start at least to begin the year. If there's a healed trade, then I suppose he probably would or he'll just, I mean, it seems like Chris Duarte is getting the seniority or super seniority bonus to start in his case. I think you do have to go Paolo Bancaro though first, just because again I think he's going to get the opportunity. Their backcourt's pretty bad. Maybe he just ends up getting eclipsed by Franz Wagner, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, and I also think he's going to be pretty good. I, I don't know how efficient he's going to be able to be this year, but and it seems like they're they're doing some pick and roll stuff with him, but they're also kind of doing a little bit more egalitarian running stuff through Carter at the elbows in the preseason. If I knew for sure Mathroom were starting at the beginning of the year, I probably would go him. Keegan Murray is my number three, but doesn't look like he's going to start either. We'll see how much he's going to play. Things could change it again there as well. And then my number four is going to be Jalen Williams.
3: Oh, nice. I like Jalen Williams a lot. I'm wondering about the opportunity there. I have Ivy for it.
2: Yeah, Ivy, I just am not quite a believer in what this Pistons team is going to be offensively. I think I might like Jalen Williams actually better than Ivy. We'll see though. Ivy had had some flashes obviously I and mean, that's what he does in the preseason. So certainly he, he could get in there. Sophomore of the year. This is now we get into some of our made up awards.
3: Strong top group in no particular order: Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Franz Wagner, Cade Cunningham. Like they're all they all had interesting rookie years. There's reason to believe all of them are going to be really good. And Franz Wagner, I mean, I think I think there's a, a meaningful chance that he looks. That he, I mean, he looked great at times in the preseason, in particular. But for me, the final choice came down to Cade Cunningham versus Evan Mobley. Mobley had a far better rookie year, but I am partial to guys who have the ball in their hands. And even if this Pistons offense doesn't take the leap to the top half, to the top 10, I don't think it's going to. I think Cade has a lot more to do, and so I'm going to pick on Cunningham.
2: Yeah, conspicuous by his absence for you, and it will be for me as well, is Scotty Barnes. Oh I
3: don't yeah, think... sure, he, 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 he merits inclusion in this group, I should have mentioned
2: him. Yeah, now I, I didn't find that Scotty Barnes had an incredibly compelling preseason, doesn't look like the shooting from three is significantly improved only 2.7 threes for 36 minutes again he only played 15 minutes a game but we're yeah it's not like a lot of people are expecting him to kind of take that step forward in a superstar status this year and I'm not I haven't seen anything to indicate that and I didn't I was lower on that possibly than many already so yeah he would not be in my top four for this I go with Evan Mobley number one I thought he was by far the best of these guys last year I think Cade will be behind him but I also think Mobley is gonna be on a good team he's gonna be so important to what the Cavs are doing defensively cunningham would be two despite his rough preseason i'm not gonna let that dissuade me because i thought he was really gonna be coming on jalen green actually would be number three for me i think he's had a monster preseason he looks stronger he his shot looks great he's uh, just looks like he shot out of a cannon on every drive and maybe the thing still that'll hold us this back is the defense If we're really talking about who is the most valuable player. But I think we're going to be talking about Jalen Green a lot differently after this season. And then Wagner would be number four for me. I guess if I had to do a
3: fifth, it would be Barnes. What's next here? Do you want to do surprise team and player? Indeed. Surprise team is always hard because we've already made all these predictions. And so... I do a mix of surprising me and also surprising the general populace, and I ended up going with a team that I'm higher on than almost everybody, and that's the Cavs. The Cavs finished last year 13th in net rating, so they did have this stretch where they were like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think that hit as hard, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So for Cleveland to potentially be in the like in the mix for the best records in the conference, that's a that's a meaningful step forward. And so I'm going with them over teams like the Wolves and the Pelicans and in a weird way, the Brooklyn Nets.
2: No, I think that's right. And again, for biggest surprise team, we're kind of just talking about possibilities here. I think just in terms of seeding. I might go with the Mavs. I think they have a pretty good chance of being a much higher seed than many people think. I think most people have them kind of in that play-in mix. I have them being very close to a top four seed. Is the Knicks being over 500? Is that a surprise? I, I You know, I didn't have any, As for my predictions, I didn't have any of these teams more than maybe three or four games above their over-under. I am picking Philly to be the number one seed. And again, Hollinger picked them to win the championship. He and I will talk about that tomorrow, surely. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I think... The one team that I'm not predicting this will happen, but has the greatest percentage chance of being a massive surprise, I do think it's probably Cleveland. Um, I'll also note I think Indy and San Antonio will be a little more respectable than people think.
3: I agree. I agree with both those, and I didn't know how to handle the Grizzlies because they had, this, they had the second best record in the West last year, but I am picking them to yeah. win a strong to have the best record in a stronger West. So for some people, that would maybe kind of be there. Actually, sure. let's do most disappointing team. Let's stay on the team side of it.
2: Well, well quickly before that, uh, biggest year-to-year wins improvement. Clippers won 42 a year ago. I'm picking them for 53 this year. Portland, even though I think they might be a little disappointing, they only won 27 last year. I got them for 37 well, this year.
3: Th- this is it's, it's a natural transition. I simultaneously pick Portland to win the most year-to-year and be my most disappointing team. Yeah just because we won 27 yeah.
2: last year yeah lakers were in the low 30s last year i mean I, even though i'm picking their under they should be improved you would hope new orleans same thing i mean I, i'm picking them for about plus eight so i'm not picking anybody to go like completely crazy that's it's rare that that happens last year i think was a little bit of an outlier in terms of how many teams just totally blew up and also how many teams totally disappointed so all right now that we've done that yeah let's do most disappointing team
3: I try to think of this more in the regular season just because yeah. playoffs is its own thing. So, like, for example, like I think there is a meaningful chance that the Sixers disappoint in the playoffs, like that they just don't put it all together. I don't believe in their defense, but I think they will be a good regular season team. We talked about Doc and, and Beat and a lot of stuff before. So, like, there, that's kind of a different species for me. So,
2: yeah, because otherwise we could just say, given some of the expectations and how many good teams there are, you could just say – Every team that loses in the first round in the East and the West.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> right. And and so, and so that's that's kind of different. And I will mention they're not high on my list. I have the Pelicans and the Mavericks both on the surprise and the disappointing, just because I could see this season going either way. They're also yeah. intriguing teams. With I, I, I kind of like
2: to think of this, Danny, as most disappointing in terms of what I believe that team's internal expectations are.
3: Right. And so that's why I picked the Blazers. They like, you know, they use these resources. They got, they though thankfully they didn't give up a ton in trade assets to get Jeremy Grant. They gave big contracts to Nurkic and all that, and I have them competing with the Kings for the 10th. I think that's a that would be a pretty severe one. The other along those same lines is the Atlanta Hawks, who you could easily pick. I just, as the you know like that if they're their fall to like around the eighth spot, I had them eighth in a tier by themselves. That that would be more disappointing relative to expectation.
2: Yeah, no, I I think that's a good one. They should be on this list as well. I think actually. Again, going in terms of likelihood, and I noted that this team could possibly be the number one seed in the West, but I'm predicting the Wolves are going to lose in the first round, and I'm predicting them to be in the play-in although i would again note that i think there's a greater than 50 percent chance that they will not be in the play-in but if i have to order it um, you know one of the teams above them actually one thing you can say about the wolves is they've got pretty reliable players from a health perspective other than maybe d'angelo russell so maybe they have a uh you know i think they have a greater than 50 percent chance of not being in the top six which is that was a watfo when the gobert deal was done and uh we'll have to revisit that obviously i think i gave it a lower chance at that point but if the wolves are in the play-in and they lose in the first round and given what they gave up that's that's a disappointment that's them being exactly where they were a year ago in the end um I guess we have to account for the Lakers.
3: Yeah, Lakers and Hornets are the two others I wanted to mention. Well,
2: and maybe you, even with the Lakers, it's kind of sad that the Lakers aren't don't first come to mind here, but I think we've just, after last year, everyone is gun-shy about predicting them to do anything. But I think the scenario where they could really disappoint is, let's say they make the Westbrook trade, get in a couple of role players, and then still lose in the first round, or are still in the play. Right. Did you say Charlotte?
3: I did. They were the other they were the other team I wanted to mention. They serious disaster potential with the Hornets.
2: Yeah. Now, the last one I'll throw out there, I, mean, I think the Denver Nuggets are about 50-50 to win a round. If if the Denver Nuggets lose in the first round, like that is obviously a massive disappointment. Well,
3: and I'll I'll throw in another one if we're including the playoffs, and that's the Clippers. They've done it before. I asked the Discord to mm. create a Lucy with the football with the Clippers logo on it for a reason, and it's that they still haven't <laughs> done it.
2: Yeah, and then biggest year-to-year wins drop. I think the Utah Jazz are the obvious ones there. Oh yeah, non-Jazz division and Suns won sixty-four last year. I don't expect them to have like a disaster season, but that's a pretty big drop. And then the Spurs, even though they won thirty-four a year ago, they you know they're probably going to be in the mid twenties. When you should mention
3: there, Chicago won forty-six last year.
2: Yeah, I don't see them going down by ten though.
3: But I could see I could see a negative six or eight.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm predicting six, but. Obviously, they're going to be, this is a tough one, but the, I mean, the Jazz are the most obvious that I think we've had in a long time, of just the violence of that rebuild. This is another one, very difficult to do, kind of along the same lines of most improved, but biggest surprise player.
3: I've been intrigued in the preseason. I haven't watched a ton of the Grizzlies, but the idea that Sante Aldama is just, like, a good player and, like, a part of the rotation. yeah. And that's a good one. And and, he you know, it is a second year. And remember, this is not most improved player. But the idea that he's just oh, he's just good now. Like, that's a, a possibility that I wanted to express. And he used my pick.
2: Sam Hauser is a name that not a lot of people have heard of. He's going to be in the rotation for Boston. They're very high on him as a shooter. I think Jalen Green is going to really surprise people. He's kind of been out of sight, out of mind for some Whoever emerges at the four for the Heat, I think it's going to be someone.
3: I have I have two different. I have Haywood Highsmith and Caleb Martin on this list.
2: Yeah, um, and Jamal Cain might end up being better than either of those. Sure, guys.
3: and and along those lines, uh, Jalen McDaniels—that's the Charlotte one. I kind of. Whoever Ooh, gets, yeah. whoever gets into these forward minutes for the Charlotte Hornets that, you know, PJ is going to, PJ Washington's going to have some, but he's a more established commodity. Um, Trey Murphy for the, for the Pelicans. I mean, That's he has had, no one has had a greener light than Trey Murphy in the, in the, preseason so far and that's something new orleans can really use like they they have a lot of good defenders they have a lot of players i like but they could do that and then i have two other flavors that i like to throw out there one is young guys so this was the evan mobley idea i I didn't pick him for this last year but it's like oh shit this guy's actually really good and they're young and that's ben Matherin and keegan murray like, if they're just, all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, we're already NBA starters, maybe even above that. Like, that they can win, they won't win most improved. Obviously, they can't, but they yeah. can do
2: that. And, and Jalen Williams was in that category sure. for me. Sure,
3: absolutely. I mean, the,
2: those guys were top six picks. Uh, Jalen Williams, I think, is going to, People are gonna be like, oh, this guy's pretty good. He's drafted 12. So Right.
3: Um and along those lines, like kind of on the lower end, Walker Kessler. I think he's gonna end the season as the starting center for the Jazz. I like him. Um and then the other one, well actually I'll throw one other just stray name is Devin Vassell. I I still like even mm, though he, he yeah. I, I just think he's I think he's a cable player. I did see him yeah, air ball. He, he
2: and Kelden Johnson are gonna be uh at the Caesars Buffet of Touches and Shots <laughs> oh, yes, this season. Are.
3: And then the last one, and this one would be the most Heartwarming for me is I just also I just really wanted to happen is the oh shit John Wall's actually good at basketball like the that would be nice yeah that I I put him on here in part because I really want it to be the case but also like I mean part of the reason that after he recovered from the injury part of the reason he's been there is because he would you know the, the lack of synergy between what he wanted and what his team wanted so John Wall ending the season as the Clippers starter potentially being the starting point guard in an NBA championship team would be awesome
2: last guy I'll throw out there in addition to some of the guys I mentioned the most improved Christian Wood Sure. Like he, he could be a very good player. We'd be talking I, about him as, you know, a 20 million dollar a year player after
3: this. I, season. I I have Christian Wood in biggest surprise and biggest disappointment.
2: Yeah, you never know with him. That's uh that,
3: that is the Christian Wood experience.
2: Okay. Most disappointing player
3: i will mention i did not include russell westbrook this year just because i don't know what that would be um he just i don't i don't know where it's, so uh, for me again this is kind of like we talked about with most disappointing team it's relative to expectations so i will mention he's not my pick but Dejounte murray where this idea that he's going to totally transform the hawks i would love to yeah. be wrong
2: I he was on him. my list too
3: cam johnson i've liked cam johnson for years but i think his limitations defensively are going to come to the forefront if he's a part of the like that could be more of a
2: playoff thing
3: i think it could be a regular season thing too i brought up lillard before just if this the two-year passage from the last healthy season he had just he doesn't have the same juice that's one um i love him i just you know we just talked about him as potentially most improved i think the expectations are so high for anthony edwards i i think he's gonna do it but if he you know like it's it's hard for anybody to so like, yeah, I
2: mean it's hard for like I don't think he's going to. Like, I think at, at minimum he's going to take another you know, evolutionary, you know, incremental step forward. I, I, he may just not totally blow up, but right. I, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't consider that a disappointment.
3: It, it's hard to say, and like it's, it's kind of a, a similar spirit of it with Jaden McDaniels. I mean, he seemed like a do not include in the Gobert trade, and that might be a little bit too kind of rich for him. As much as I like Jaden McDaniels, um, Kevin Porter Jr. I still, I this, this Rockets team. Still, I still think they need to figure something out offensively and it might, he might end up being a point of frustration if he's not as big a part of the solution, but we haven't done my top two yet, but I want you to out okay. some names before my top two.
2: Yeah. So there's a number of categories here. One of them is in the young players that teams and fan bases think are going to evolve into really good players that, or in the case of some where they are good players, but are expected to evolve into a superstar and show that they're on that path. And so there are three guys along those lines who popped out to me, Patrick Williams. He's actually going to be my number one. He is in fact going to at least start for Chicago. There's some question about whether he's even going to do that, but it doesn't seem like he's exactly earned that spot necessarily. And, javante green outplayed him in the preseason i think they're just kind of like well hey we're we need to just start this guy and give him a shot and then if we're really losing we'll, maybe we'll have to make that change or or he'll just start games and not finish them or something but it, it just he doesn't seem to be on that i mean for a team that drafted him number four it just doesn't seem to be on the path of being you know at least a high-end starter which is the minimum what they're expecting from him josh giddy is another one where i just wonder about the fit and whether he can be efficient i mean if you're looking at him he's already a top 10 passer in the NBA, but the question of what else he does, doesn't get to the line, don't know how he can provide efficient offense with this shooting. So if you're looking at him as another guy who's going to be in that 500 or below true shooting this year, and then you consider his defensive limitations, it's going to be hard for, I think, him to ultimately fulfill some of the expectations people have for him. And then Scotty Barnes is another one too, which yep. we kind of talked about him already, where it, it just, again, they're going to be a very good player for a long time, but this idea that, Oh man, we could never even think of trading him for Kevin Durant. And like, he could be an all-star as soon as this season. Like I just, I can't get there yet. Um, and, and, uh, particularly I think, where I'm have the biggest disconnect with people is this idea that he's like going to be a defensive game changer as opposed to just a solid defender.
3: I mean, he he definitely. I mean, we love the film on Scotty Barnes defensively, but then he didn't show that his rookie year. And- well,
2: I, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't go that far. I wasn't as like as high on his. Defense.
3: I liked it quite a bit. Um, yeah,
2: I, I and- mean, it's it's good, but it's not like I don't think he's like an elite rim protector, and I don't think he has like elite feet to stay in front of guys.
3: My top two part of it is is expectations and the roles that they have on their teams my number two is ben simmons just fears he's I, I don't think that is necessarily ben simmons being a worse player than he was when he left our basketball consciousness you know in the in the those that the pass and everything else in that hawk series but i've described him before as like a a, a monet with a smudge but it's so hard to make this work on a successful team and the nets have real expectations So the idea that they can—I could see him being—it's maybe more of a playoff thing. But Pairing him with the centers who can't shoot in the times they're going to do that. Or, like, my number one, even though I really like him as a player, and I've been a believer, you know, had him in the sophomore of the year conversation, all that, is is LaMelo Ball. I I think that it's a lot to ask of him to be the engine for the Hornets. I think that they, as a team, will do it. And I like LaMelo. We saw a lot of, like, what he can do, but is he, like— can he make the jump to what like trey young did in his like third year or something like that i think that's a lot to ask
2: yeah i don't see him making the all-star team this year um a few other got kind of categories for me on this one i had murray in there as well there's kind of the overrated veterans sabonis is on there too and the kings traded for him with the idea that he was gonna at least get them into the play-in and his defensive limitations i think that's that's just again a lot of this is based on kind of team's internal expectations and then you know i did have simmons as a possibility as well just due to health the free throw thing sad to put this one in there but jonathan isaac and and his health i mean I, i just have this concerned that we're just not going to see him on the court and this one is again this is relative to the team's internal expectations because they signed him on day one of free agency and they're giving him a rotation role DeAndre Jordan in Denver oh boy but finally I think my my number three I'm gonna go Patrick Williams number one DeJounte Murray number two and James Harden will be my number three even though I think he's gonna have a fine regular season I think he just he's gonna disappoint in the playoffs again and that's ultimately what this is about I can also throw out two three more guys. Jonas Valanciunas in just in terms of his fit with Zion and what the Pell's defense is going to be that I think he kind of is what he is but I don't think he is what they think he's going to be and I think their defense is just going to disappoint Joe Ingles just again for a team that gave him the full mid-level taxpayer mid level I should say sorry and Chris Middleton I'm a little worried about Chris Middleton both with this wrist thing I thought he slowed down last year in the regular season he may not be at an all-star level this season and again it'll be more about playoffs for him but I think there's this thought of like oh hey if Chris Middleton had just been healthy everything would have been fine Bucks would have rolled to the championship and that might be true but he's also going to be a year older going into free agency so I'm 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 not sure uh, about whether Chris Middleton is really going to be the star that they're going to need him to be in these playoffs.
3: I have two more just very quickly with sky high expectations, and so it, and you know one of them is Anthony Davis. He was well below the standard last year, and he's looked better in the preseason. I'm excited about it, but if he's you know not a top 15 player when he's out there, that's a huge problem for the Lakers. And then the other is Kawhi, like Kawhi Leonard. I yeah. hope I, I hope to be wrong, but if his best. Even if even if it's it's not health related, if his best just isn't top three, top four player in the league when he's out there, that's a pretty significant disappointment that makes that takes the Clippers out of championship contention.
0: Ah. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game Or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be President of Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Executive of the Year.
3: Danny Ainge is not going to win it because teardowns don't win executive of the year, but he got a ton for Rudy Gobert in particular. But the overall Gobert package, I think there's also a way for them to get more in subsequent deals, which would count for executive of the year, but we're not counting it in. I think the more likely to act to like be in serious contention, who did a very good job. Daryl Morey filling out limited flexibility. A lot of that was convincing James Harden to take less, or Harden doing it, whether it took convincing. And then Kobe Altman, because if the Cavs are as good as I think they are, Kobe Altman trading for Don Mitchell is a big part of that.
2: Yeah, uh, th- those are the three that really stood out to me. Mori one, Ainge, two, Altman, three. You know, we've been high on what Sam Presti was doing in the past with some of these teardown trades, and Ainge got great value out of the Gobert trade in particular. I think the Mitchell trade was kind of more along the lines of what I was thinking. I, I wouldn't, and I, it had to be done but I didn't consider that just some, you know, way above expectations return in part, maybe because Ainge set the expectations so high (laughs) with the Gobert trade, like, like that trade, he got so much that it just, it totally fucked up the league. Like that might've been why Kevin Durant didn't get traded, although the Nets, I'm sure wanted to keep him anyway. And realistically, you know, Altman, this is more of a, the Cavs have a chance as opposed to the Cavs will do this you know if they're kind of around 48 wins that's just what was expected with this deal but really it could be any of those three gms that made the big trade could be schlank although i don't think that one's going to work out i'm probably i might even be the lowest no no i I guess i wouldn't say i'm probably lowest on the the gobert trade but i also acknowledging the gobert trade could really work and then we could be talking about Uh, lowest on the hawks as
3: a team of those three teams for sure
2: right right um, but I I was lowest on the Hawks as a team of those three teams before the trade was made, too, and they traded for the, the worst of those three guys, but they gave up the least as well. Not executive of the year.
3: We can mention, honestly, all three of the big swing GMs yep, yep. here, too, uh, yep. and Schlenk. And I mean, Schlenk's the highest because I'm the least confident it's going to work, but then the other yeah. two.
2: I, I mean, I guess I think the other thing with, the, with Schlenk is it's just it's tough to, to – evaluate that because again i like i don't think there's anything that he could have done right the path right. They, not they, were traveled. In a, they were in a difficult right. spot
3: and i don't have him right. in my top three um my top three i'll go three two one three nico harrison losing jalen brunson part of that i mean those sins existed we've broken this down long before the 2022 offseason but they have that then but they didn't really replace him like i they made some weird bets i didn't think they added players who don't make sense with what the mavs did best last year number two john horst Still, you know, kind of doubling down on the flawed parts of the Bucks that I – that pissed me off. And then number one, Tommy Shepard because yeah. – the i mean the bradley beal no trade cause is going to look complete ridiculous possibly as soon as this year and then he made the worst pick in the lottery of anybody so that's that's enough
2: yeah Shepard would be number one for me i i we will see whether it's the worst pick in the lottery or not but it's not looking good early with johnny davis both in terms of the theory and the fit and then just what the actual player how good the actual player is and the bradley beal no trade not too good although i i Again, like I think most of the trades that Shepard has made have been really good. Um, I think just in the draft and the contractual situations, he hasn't been nearly as strong overall. I don't think uh, it's very unlikely to me that Shepard will be at the top of this list by the end of the year. A few others we got to throw out there. Certainly Mitch Kupchak, the botched coaching search. Didn't really like the way that they handled that having 13 and 15 and making that trade and then drafting Mark Williams, who hasn't been particularly impressive early on when they could have maybe had Duran who I think most people are way higher on. And then the Bridges thing obviously was a major issue that messed up their planning, but they didn't add anyone in free agency, backup point guard. They got nothing there. So, I and, and I think they're, they're going to disappoint. I'll echo you on Horst and Harrison Rob Polinka, I will say that I think he has handled the Westbrook thing as well as could be handled. This is kind of more of a, what actually ends up happening there. And their other signings were uninspiring if at least young enough to maybe improve their defense a little bit, but they still, their depth is pretty miserable. They didn't have much in the way of options there, but for example, how good would Jamichael Green look on this team? Right, even so, I think they wanted to go away from those sorts of vets, but him ending up on the Warriors instead of the Lakers seems like a fail because it seems like the Lakers would have had a lot more time for him and he could have played next to AD and actually made a shot potentially. He had a bad year last year, but I think he would have been a worthwhile flyer. Troy Weaver is someone we could be talking about here if those two guys that he drafted don't look that good, didn't really get much else for the cap space. The boy on trade is pretty good, though. That could save him. Um, Tim Connolly. If the Wolves are just, I mean, I'm projecting them to be 7th in the West and as the most likely outcome and not win a playoff series. If that's the case, that was a pretty big swing and a miss with Gobert, considering this is the best season they're going to get out of Gobert, most likely. Zach Kleiman, you could see the Grizz taking a step back with the loss of Anderson and Melton. And if the draft picks that he made don't come through or someone like Alzama, doesn't come through and they're just kind of back in that mix in the West after winning 56 last year because they didn't really approach this season with the sense of urgency of being a championship contender we could be talking about him but I'll go ultimately Shepard one, Cupjack two as of now and Horst three but I think this will change significantly by the end of the year it will Uh, actually no I'm sorry Uh, let me rephrase that let me put uh actually Nico Harrison too because I think and Horst will be is out of it now Cupjack three nico harrison it just they could have just paid up like the wood trade was good if they just pay up for brunson and figure out a way to get off of some money instead and i guess you know you can kind of throw mark cuban's just unwillingness to pay in there too but if they just had retained brunson i might have been picking dallas to be the number one seed this year like they would have been really really good i might have been picking them to make the conference finals i might have even had them in the same group as the warriors and the clippers and instead they just Let a really good player on a fair contract leave for nothing because they totally mismanaged the situation and we're trying to save a couple million bucks. Let's get into news now. A few things to run through. Where I wanted to start here is the extension deadline for rookies we know has passed, but it has also passed for players with two years remaining on their contract. You now cannot extend in season. So, Here's this list I put it at the top of our sheet. Anybody that stands out to you on that that you wanted to talk about?
3: Pascal Siakam and Jalen Brown, it's not a surprise because if they make an All-NBA team, it could push their value a lot higher. And Jalen Brown in particular because he's making less right now. It's harder to do that. I beat a little bit with Paul George. I mean, the, he's generally kind of locked in the money when he can. He did sign a short yeah, He contract.
2: would have had to decline a player option too. He's got two seasons left and a player option. And then, of course, you once you decline that player option, you cannot extend for less than that. So, right. uh, I mean, interesting to know who would have said yes and who would have said no, or maybe neither of them would in that situation.
3: Yeah. So, I, I think those. I mean, we saw a lot of the the big ones already already signed. So, I, I, I think that it's not it's not a, an immensely surprising list to me.
2: Yeah. Some of the other ones, OG Ananobi, if he had opted into his player option, but he doesn't want to do that. Or, I'm sorry, if he had opted out of his player option, he's got two, two left. Um, yeah, it just seems like that's not the direction they're going in Toronto this year. And, you know, if I were Siakam and they offered me three years at the max they could, I would have taken that, given his age. I don't know if that offer was made or not, but it's still... This is... With Siakam only having one year left, and it be only one year left after this year, and Van Vliet able to opt out after this season, although could get an extension too, it does seem like we... There's a possibility that we could be having an inflection point after this season, depending on how things go. If things go great. They'll bring everyone back. Probably if not, eh, you know, maybe there'll be a uh, there'll be some trades and they'll rebuild it a little bit around Barnes. Sabonis and DeJounte Murray, both of them are lower level all stars who I didn't agree with the all star pick, but are also making less than the max and there's no way under the current rules to extend them for the max there also is, i think a substantial probability that by the time we get to next offseason a they can extend for longer and b the extension rules will have liberalized that's probably another reason why you didn't see jalen brown another reason maybe why you didn't see siakam although siakam they could pay him enough and then clay thompson that one was was not going to happen there's no reason for the warriors to do that at this point in time What else we got here? We'll again, we'll leave the extensions and the non-extensions. Hollinger and I will talk about that tomorrow. We just have too much to get to. Today, uh, we hit some of this injury news, but what have we not hit yet?
3: Dennis Schroeder, he has surgery on his injured thumb. The Lakers said he's going to miss three to four weeks Jeff Stotts said that UCL sprains, typically you miss about seven and a half weeks. It's possible this is less severe. Hopefully it is. And we still don't know how Darvin Ham is going to run this rotation, but it looks like that rotation will include Russell Westbrook. He is going to play while Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown Jr. will not play on ring night for the Warriors.
2: Yeah, Russ had been day to day with a, a hamstring issue that he suffered. And I guess we'll see whether Russ is going to start it or not. Victor Oladipo has left knee tendonitis. That is not the knee that he's had the issues in, but sometimes you develop issues in the other knee. He's questionable for Miami season opener. It's crazy the amount of guard depth that they have. Zion Williamson announced that he will be playing for the NBA strategy stream can watch that on league pass or i think they're doing the free preview again too they usually do that uh but and league pass only 99 bucks this year anyway so all you got to do is just go on nba.com click on the game watch and then you'll see the option for nba strategy stream they don't get any of the room the isaiah joe deal you were correct in your speculation that it was fully guaranteed year one and non-guaranteed year two team option year three per mike scotto of hoops hype it's, Jay Crowder. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
3: Oh, I was going to say, incidentally, Isaiah Joe basically has the identical contract structure to Aaron Wiggins, who the Thunder took in the second round, like remaining contract structures, Aaron Wiggins, who they took in the second round last year. So it's kind of like they got an extra second round pick.
2: Jay Crowder will be on the inactive list per Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central to start the season. In San Antonio, they're actually going to start Jeremy Soham in the regular season opener. He's been trying to take some threes. He's got a very slow release in the preseason we didn't get to see him in Summer League due to COVID, so that would be exciting. It's it's also really cool seeing him out there with, like, number 10, short shorts, and blonde hair. He looks like 1995 Dennis Rodman out there for the Spurs. And the Spurs are waving Joe Wieskamp, who they had signed. They needed to release—they had signed him to an NBA contract. Do you have guaranteed money?
3: Yes, fully guaranteed year one. Yeah. And it was over Uh, the minimum too. I think it's like 2.2 point point something, 2.175.
2: But the Spurs can also afford it because they have plenty of cap space this season. And so they had 16 guaranteed contracts. So we scamp. I had some hopes that he could be kind of a tall shooter with maybe a little more defensive potential than your McDermott type. They drafted in the second round last year, but never really made shots for San Antonio. The Raptors, say that Otto Porter will not play due to a left hamstring strain this is part of the issue of course uh, with Porter over the years and Golden State was able to shepherd him through although I thought those injuries caught up to him by the end of the season he was great early on for them so they, they need him as a shooter I think it, but we'll see whether he's this is going to be kind of this year where he's dealing with a lot of stuff or he's going to be playing 15 minutes a game or whatever. Uh, and then they're also missing Kem Birch. He had surgery on his opposite knee in May. This He's got right knee swelling, so he won't play against Cleveland in the opener on Wednesday either.
3: And then for the Jazz, Malik Beasley is recovered from his left ankle sprain and he expects to be available for the Jazz season opener against the Nuggets on Wednesday. And then Justin Zanuck, who is below Danny Ainge in the flowchart, but is still doing a lot of the day-to-day, it seems like in Utah, agreed to a contract extension. So it looks like this structure is going to be around for a little while for the Jazz.
2: Yeah. And when someone like Ainge comes in, and they have hired some people, but clearly he seems to like the work that Zanuck is doing. They uh, judge that they work well together. And Zanuck, one of the few survivors, Dennis Lindsay was out. Then Quinn Snyder was out as well. And so looks like he's going to be kind of the day-to-day guy still for Utah. It's good to see him get some stability. Remember, he kind of got dicked over in the whole Milwaukee GM change. And then two more little things here. James Booknight was charged with driving while impaired after he was arrested early Sunday morning, and the Charlotte Observer noted that Booknight has had several other driving incidents in the last year. Dan talked about this yesterday, so thanks to him for putting this together. He has been ticketed for speeding and reckless driving 92 and a 50, reckless driving again in February, another speeding and reckless driving for 107 and a 65 in November, and he also crashed a car into a stop sign and fled the scene and then was accepted into a probation program in college after police said he smelled of alcohol after he was arrested there. And finally, Jamal Murray left hamstring soreness. First, it was considered a quad, then a hamstring. He participated most of Sunday's practice. He should be good to go for the opener against the Jazz, but Adam Morris noted this, that they've got this opener against the Jazz on Wednesday. Friday is their national TV game on the road against Golden State. And then their home opener is Saturday. So you have to imagine he's not going to want to, but that one of those games is probably going to miss, particularly because he's been struggling with this. And a reminder, again, if you're on a monthly subscription, I encourage you, we got one more day here after Wednesday's games. We're going to shut this down. The John Hollinger presale, a price we will not be offering again once the season starts to get a yearly membership. But uh, if you're willing to make that year commitment, we want to make sure we give you the best price uh, in honor of John joining up so I encourage you to check that out. If you are a monthly member, you'll save quite a bit of money versus just continuing to do monthly all year. And also Dan is continuing to do his daily dunks as well. He's got a, an analysis coming on the Nasir little extension, which I think is gonna be really fascinating for it being a small extension. John and I of course we'll talk about that tomorrow as well. We will be back again later tonight to recap tonight's games and be a strategy stream is tomorrow. <sighs> Oh, yeah, and then we'll, of course, do a a huge pod on tomorrow night's opening night games as well. You're getting a lot of content here from us, and we're really excited about what we're going to do this season and very happy to have you on board. Talk soon.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.